0: Welcome to this episode of The Ocean Decade Show, a podcast dedicated to guiding you down the yellow brick road of this global initiative to transform the ocean, housed within the American Shoreline Podcast Network family. My name is Taylor Gels, and I'm your host and tour guide on our adventure through the ocean decade. So one of my favorite kind of topics or general areas to talk about on this show is the -the on-the-ground efforts. Uh, People who are really practicing the goals of the ocean decade and sustainable development goals Uh, Efforts that are international, you know, this is an international ocean decade, we all share the ocean, Uh, remember to drop the S, there's just the one ocean. So initiatives that are cross-cultural are really fun to feature, cross-cultural, cross-country, especially in this time of Zoom when (laughs) we all have to calculate time zones and we can't go meet somewhere in person, that these are the things that I really think exemplify the, the heart of what the decade is and what it's trying to do. But it's fantastic to get champions of this kind of work to talk about their work and to help other people understand these cross-country and cross-cultural connections and why they're so important to the foundations of the ocean decade. Uh, And everyone knows at this point, I think, that I'm a huge champion of ECOPs, Early Career Ocean Professionals, and that kind of age group. And this initiative we're talking about today has a bit of that in it as well. It's figuring out how to better connect to the next generations of experts uh, all around the world and this is another kind of behind the scenes of how <laughs> how I find guests for this show and how we reach out so this is another example today of me sort of cyber stalking people who are doing great work on the decade um, as just like how I tracked down uh, Runa Ray from our previous episode on fashion in the ocean decade um, and it's another example of why networks are so crucial that uh, you see someone who's doing cool work, and you find someone you're connected through them with, and then uh, it's it's amazing that you can uh, you can get to meet all these cool people. And this is just the easiest, coolest podcast job in the world because I get to talk to cool people about things they're passionate about. So, getting into our topic of today, before my lifetime <laughs> in 1960, this will all connect, I promise. Then Senator Kennedy. Uh, Senator John F. Kennedy proposed the idea of the Peace Corps, the idea of young people serving the world during a sleep deprived middle of the night speech. This is very true. He was campaigning and uh, in front of 10,000 students at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. So he had arrived, wanted to go to sleep. There was a ton of students still waiting out there to hear from him. And he proposed this idea of a Peace Corps, which I love the idea of thinking about a politician doing that now and then their staff behind them being like, wait, what did they just say? What do we have to do now? (laughs) But then when elected, uh, President Kennedy signed an executive order establishing the Peace Corps in March 1961. And since then, over 240,000 Americans have participated and served in over 60 countries around the world, which is crazy to imagine, right? Like I'm not only imagining the staff that was freaking out about (laughs) then Senator Kennedy uh, talking about this idea, but looking back at the success it seems logical, you know, the idea that you send young people around the world to be ambassadors of, uh, of good faith and uh, to do great work around the world. But at the time, there were a lot of critics <laughs> and not saying that there would be critics of my guests today. But I like thinking about these sorts of things and what people in the day thought, um, you know, the person who per- first proposed uh, any idea probably seems uh, crazy to some people. Fellow lawmakers called it kitty core. <laughs> And former President Dwight D. Eisenhower suggested that individuals in this "quote-unquote" juvenile experiment should be sent to the moon instead, because that was the time of the moon. So just think, if if Eisenhower had been an ocean nut like all of we are, and suggested that these individuals go to the ocean and not to the moon, we'd be so much further in our ocean sciences today. Um, But what I'm trying to to say here and to set us up for is look at the success and look at what's possible from this sleep-addled idea that Kennedy uh, just muttered at 2 a.m. one day to 10,000 students, and they didn't even tweet about it. You know, it, was, it, it, got, it went viral in the old-fashioned way of, <laughs> of newspapers and word of mouth. Um, my guests today are really thinking big like that and trying to replicate uh, some of the success of the Peace Corps, but for young ocean scientists around the world. So, thank you so much, uh, Brian and Adem, for being here today.
1: Thanks for having us on the
2: show, Taylor. Thanks for having us.
0: Yeah, thank you. So, uh, let's start off with who are you and what's your path to the ocean decade? Brian, we'll have you go first.
2: Yeah, so um, my name is Brian Arbic. I'm a professor at the University of Michigan. But uh, 30 years ago, I was a student at the University of Michigan. And when I finished my studies, I decided to join the Peace Corps. Uh, Actually, I'd just like to say something about what you said earlier about um, how it happened. Um, I didn't know this until I got back from my Peace Corps service, which I'll talk about in a second. But uh, after Kennedy announced that, um, it was actually students that made the Peace Corps happen. University of Michigan students went to him Again, I did not know this until I came back to Michigan as a professor many years later, but at the Michigan Student Union, there's a plaque. This is where Kennedy stood when he announced the idea of the Peace Corps. Across the street, there's a, a glass showcase with a bunch of pictures, and there's a picture of a young student pointing at Kennedy, and she's basically saying, you better do this and form the Peace Corps. And uh, she, she was actually instrumental. In, and there's a quote from Sergeant Shriver, who was the first director, who basically said, if it wasn't for the University of Michigan students, Peace Corps wouldn't have happened. So they held him to his promise. And, uh, you know, similarly, you know, we hope that uh, young people will be really eager to join, you know, the thing we're talking about today, Ocean Corps. Um, okay, so sorry for that rambling story. Uh, no, it's so great to see that young
0: people were already, you know, Pushing for this and similar things can happen today.
2: Yeah, exactly. So yeah, so I was a Peace Corps volunteer in Ghana, and I was in a rural area that didn't have much electricity. Uh, and uh, I just mentioned that because it made it hard to teach electricity and magnetism. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, I had a really good student there. I had several good students, but one in particular, I, I thought uh, could have promise for a science career and. Uh, When I came back from Peace Corps, I had the idea that scientists should go to Africa, but it was kind of a vague idea at that time. And then 16 years later, after no contact with all these students I taught in rural northern Ghana, I started getting in touch with them. And I eventually found out that Joseph Ansong uh, was getting a Ph.D. in applied math, studying with someone in Canada that I know very well so that was kind of miraculous after 16 years that
0: such a small world exactly the ocean science world we all know is so small but yeah
2: yeah so i hired him into my lab as a postdoc and that led us to form the ghana summer school and um and adam is a, a key partner in that so why don't i stop now and let adam say a bit
0: yeah adam tell us a little bit about you and your path to the ocean decade
1: yeah, so my name is uh, Edem Mahu. I am a senior lecturer of marine biogeochemistry at the Department of Marine and Fishery Sciences of the University of Ghana. Currently, I serve on the Board of Trustee of the Partnership for Observation of the Global Oceans and um, also a 2021 um, Nats Geo Emerging Explorer. And uh, I am doing this through participating in some of the decades um, pro- programs. Um, one of them is um, Coast Predicts, which has been endorsed, and um, one that we are hoping that will be endorsed is the Ocean Core, um, which we are um, discussing today. Um, besides this endorsed decade programs, I am also um, co-leading other um, large efforts, um, which are not. Um, Ocean um, decade endorsed yet, but um, they also seek to, you know, create an enabling environment for um, ocean sciences across the globe. And um, one of um, such efforts is equity uh, which is currently being housed at the Ocean Foundation, which seeks to bring um, equity and transparency in ocean science capacity um, development across the globe um, with emphasis on developing countries um, from which I am, um, you know, representing today.
0: That's fantastic. Um, it's great to see the kind of dual expertise and I love all these different paths to the ocean decade. So uh, I know that Brian, you said you had worked in, in Ghana and Adam, you, you live in in Ghana, but so in the, we've already established the marine science world is very small, but how did you two meet? And uh, what are a little bit about the origins of Ocean Corps, which you've gotten into a little bit, Brian, but uh, how did that happen?
2: Yeah, so we, we formed the Ghana Summer School in uh, 2015, and it has been a partnership with two institutions in Ghana. Uh, one is the University of Ghana, where Adam is a senior lecturer, and the other one's called Regional Maritime University. So um, we, we run that every year and we kind of alternate between the two sites. And uh, Adam is one of the key co-organizers of that. So that's how we met. And um, then um, I'll let Adam tell her version of the story. But uh, th- so we've been working together on the Ghana School ever since. And then um, the way I got into the decade was that... Um, you, you probably know there is a critical meeting called Ocean OBS that happens every 10 years. And so at Ocean OBS 2019, which was held in Hawaii, um, I, I uh, proposed to hold a session on capacity development, which everyone recognizes is a critical need for ocean science. And Alexis Valerie Orton of the Ocean Foundation also proposed to hold a session. So they they got us together and said, why don't you guys work together? And so that's really what got me into the decade. Meeting Alexis, running a session, meeting other people involved in the decade. And then, like Adam said, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of things, you know, there's Ocean Core, which we'll talk about today. Adam and I are both on Equacy, which is led by Alexis Flurry Orton, who I mentioned a minute ago. And we're also all on the um, steering committee for Coast Predict. I'm also involved in Oasis. You've probably heard of it. In fact, Oasis is holding an event tonight um, for the decade and um, uh, Marine Life 2030. And uh, anyway, there's, there's several organizations. So many
0: connections. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, I think there's probably a few UN decade that things that Adam is on that I'm not on and vice versa, but we're on a lot of the same ones.
0: And Alexis is how, I originally got in contact with you guys. She has her fingers in all the pots and Ocean Foundation is just such a a great, has been such a great resource thus far for the decade in providing these, helping people, you know, think creatively together about all these different ideas.
2: Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, we can talk about uh, that more later, but I want to turn it over to Adam.
0: Yeah, Adem, Brian gave us a little bit of an overview about how you two kind of met in the, in the Ghana Summer School. But can you give us a bit of a background on the Ocean Core and the origin of this idea and how it's grown from that summer school?
1: When you go to conferences, you realize that um, scientists or ocean scientists from the developing world are underrepresented in those conferences. Um, when it comes to um, publications or research papers, you come through the literature, you realize that and there's not a lot that is coming from um, the developing world. Um, so there was that need to um, bridge that gap. And so that was one of the main ideas behind the Coastal Ocean Summer School. And that idea was what we translated to the um, Ocean Core. Um, of which Brian was, um, you know, the key um, brain behind that because he was um, um, an, a Peace Corps volunteer, so he knew, he understood the Peace Corps um, work terrain and all that, and he felt that uh, what we were doing with the Ghana uh, Ghana Summer School, where uh, basically we bring um, experts from um, the United States of America to, you know, converge in Africa. And then we have a student participants from all over the region in Africa, mostly from Ghana, Nigeria, um, coming to um, get the, 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 the necessary um, training or, um, or, or, or partnership, if I may put it, or network that they need to further accelerate their careers in um, The field of um, ocean sciences. So that was the kind of um, idea that was translated into um, the the global ocean core uh, program that we are embarking on currently. So the whole idea is um, we know that these constraints are there, but also where there are issues with resources, logistical constraints, and so because of that, it is difficult to move an entire number of uh, students from Africa to go to the US to go and um, benefit or to go and build capacity in ocean sciences. So we thought that, okay, why don't we do it the other way around where we can move um, these experts Mm -hmm. instead of um, having just a few students going there, moving the experts rather to the region, um, not just Africa. We are looking at um, replicating this in other parts of the world. And so that was the main brain behind um, Ocean Core. So basically, we are looking at developing the capacity of the next generation of um, ocean scientists um, who can help in advancing the decade's goal. Because obviously, we need our young scientists to um, be able to to help us achieve the goals that we have set for us for the decade. And a program like Ocean, uh, Ocean Core, Seeks to you know facilitate um, that aspect of you know uh, building capacity in early um, career professionals and young scientists from um, under-resourced areas and not just the under-resourced but other um, areas as well. So basically, that that was the idea um, behind um, the Ocean Core. Maybe Brian may want to add a bit more to what I've just said.
2: I think uh, Adam said it very well. Um You know, uh, I must confess, because Adam and I and and others have run the summer school in Ghana for a while, that my first idea was let's have a lot more summer schools. And we've been kind of pushed to broaden our mindset a little bit that that is one modality of exchange that I think is really effective. But there are others, too, like Adam herself. uh, When she was a student at University of Ghana, she came to the U.S., for an extended period of time. So just, you know, moving one student to the US to, to learn, uh, you know, from uh, people in the US, maybe like how to use a um, advanced instrumentation or something that's harder to afford in Ghana. You know, that's another example of an exchange. So, and then of course, with COVID, we're doing a lot of online exchanges. So, um, so I think, uh, although the summer school is still my favorite, <laughs> Modality, and it's the I think baby, we have, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we should have lots of those. I, I think Adam would agree that, um, you know, longer exchange programs of students moving uh, from higher resource to under resourced countries, or the other way around, and virtual exchanges, where we, we want to promote all of these uh, as well as summer schools.
0: And it's it's the model that you know the Peace Corps has built, but then. You can improve upon it and change it, and because it's it's a different end goal a little bit that you're trying to train scientists versus just you know providing youth of America an opportunity to uh, to help and vice versa. But there's uh, kind of concrete goals I think behind Ocean core that are a little bit different than than what the Peace Corps is for someone like me who hasn't participated in it, but that's what it seems like.
2: Yeah. I mean, I I hope that Adam will say a bit about her experience as a student or or other related topics. Yeah.
0: So um, um, when
1: it comes to uh, Ocean Corps, it's not just um, about um, uh, scientists from areas, uh, very resource areas, you know, coming to build capacity. but what we also do, which is one of the model of the summer school, for, for example, is we have local content as well. So uh, we do have some scientists in the region who also have, you know, developed capacity in certain areas of ocean sciences. So we are able to, you know, complement um, these expertise and skills. So the whole idea is that if we continue this kind of exchanges and program, there will be a time where we will have enough um, uh, work forces um, in ocean sciences within the region. So it's not just coming to build and go and then where, what next, but um, these scientists will be able to take up um, that initiative and, you know, also build the capacity of other, you know, scientists. So um, like kind of train the trainer kind of a model thing. It's what we are also looking at in addition to the other things that we are
0: doing. Brian, anything else to, to add on top of that?
2: No, I think uh, that was all very well said. You know, just exchanges around the world to build up ocean science and more collaborations so that, you know, um, Americans actually get to know more Africans, just for instance. And and even, you know, even like, you know, people in East Africa getting to know people in West Africa, I think Adam would agree.
0: Yeah, exactly. And what I think is really cool about this, and we chatted about this a little bit before the, the recording started, but that a lot of the things that I've heard about for the Ocean Decade and that I've seen and had featured on the show have been very science goals, Right. And I think this is definitely it speaks to that because you're producing, you know, world class scientists and helping produce world class scientists at the end of this. But it's also about the capacity development. It's about uh, exchange and innovation. And that's what I think is really unique about the idea of the Ocean Core.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think science is a human endeavor. And just to give a concrete example, um, you know, when you're on a big program, you know like let's measure air sea interactions or or ocean acidification around the world, you necessarily have to have scientists from around the world participating in that. And so uh, I've been in discussions where people are saying, well, you know let let's uh, let's bring in people from Africa, but you have to actually know people in Africa in order to invite them to join the effort.
0: Yeah, it sounds like an easy thing, but then you have to do it.
2: <laughs> yeah, so, you know, that's why you'll find sometimes that, uh, you know, sometimes the governing boards of various large um, ocean uh, institutions, uh, you know, like global observing networks, they tend to be centered on Europe and the U.S. It's just natural, you know, you ask people that you know to to join, but, you know, we want people to start knowing people in Africa and, and other countries um, Other regions that haven't been participating as much, and then it'll just become a more global endeavor. So, how do you meet them? Well, you know, Ocean Core is the kind—that's what we're talking about doing in Ocean Core.
1: It's it's about the S changes. It's about helping to connect um, scientists to uh, their fellow scientists. Uh, It's about yeah transferring knowledge, technology, what have you. So that is what we are there for.
0: And so, when we're talking about scientists here, something that I'm thinking about because my my science training is actually in social science. So, are you thinking beyond the the kind of traditional hard marine sciences, and uh, what's the the scope that you see this uh, going toward in the future?
2: We'll probably start with more of a focus on, as you say, the hard marine sciences. But you know, once you start talking about capacity development, then it very naturally leads into discussions of societal impacts and social sciences you know cuz people will say well why should uh, our country train ocean scientists and then you get into well because the oceans important for fisheries and you know managing oil spills and toxins in the harbor and shipping and and you know by the way you know uh, a lot of the fast growing economies in the world are in africa and shipping underpins that So, you know, once you start talking about all the various things that the ocean affects, which is so many things, uh, just what I just said is only a partial list, then you start getting into policy and social science.
0: Yeah, I think that that's the the world is your oyster, you know, in terms of of what can happen. And it's building this global network almost as a way to not just connect people, but then help them better each other on on their own scientific policy, whatever journeys.
2: In fact, can I just say, Adam is doing a project with oysters. Maybe she'd like to talk oh, about the, that.
0: My my thesis work was on oysters, so yeah, I always go for the oyster, <laughs> the oyster metaphor. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, so um, for now, the focus is going to be on the you know the core science, but. Um, Yes, um, we, when, for the Ghana Summer School, for example, we don't just um, focus on scientists, but we also bring in um, practitioners from um, non-science institutions, like our policymakers, we get them um, to join um, in our summer school. So I, I, I believe that as we go forward, um, a lot of the sciences that we are doing, definitely they need to translate into policies and so, um, We have plans of um, getting these other um, areas on board as well.
2: Do you want to say a bit about your oyster project, Adam?
0: I always love an oyster diversion.
1: Oh, yes. I I don't know what um, Taylor wants to know about my oyster project. But um, this is a project that is um, looking at um, oyster, um, how oysters in the Gulf of Guinea are responding to environmental change, uh, in particular climate change. the, the, the unique thing about this project is the fact that um, in our region or in um, West Africa, where the study is focused, the oyster um, fishing industry is sort of um, dominated by women. So um, the, the entire value chain from um, collecting oysters to harvesting, um, processing and marketing are mostly dominated by women. So when you look at the fisheries, this is an area that um, we have women um, concentrating a lot of their efforts. And so when we are looking at bringing gender balance into the fisheries, then we need to improve fisheries like the oyster um, fisheries in the region. Now, um, we all know that globally oysters have declined um, about 85% or so of the world's oysters have been lost. And so we, there's the effort to conserve the remaining oysters that we have um, on our planet. And so um, the goal of this project is to go back into the past to um, understand how oysters are responding to changes in environmental conditions um such as changes in temperature changes in um, ph salinity what have you and um, based on that we look at what the present conditions are and um, try and see how best we can build um, resilience in the oyster um, fishing industry in the region so currently the study is focused in um, Ghana we have Nigeria we have Sierra Leone and um, we have um, Benin being the main countries that we are um, working on at the moment. And this is a project that is being um, funded by the Royal Society of London through the Flair Fellowship. So, um, yes, we can talk more about oysters, Taylor.
0: We could do a whole episode on oysters. That
1: <laughs> right. So there's a lot of other things that are happening in the background, um, but I think that we want to save more time um, for Ocean
0: core. <laughs> I never mind I never mind an oyster diversion because that is my, <laughs> my scientific origins as well. But yeah, one of the things I like to think about and that I ask a lot of guests, and especially of this kind of growing project that you're building is, so at the end of this decade, where do you see the ocean core? What would be a successful ocean core by 2030 from your point of view?
1: Yeah, so at the end of uh, the decade, we want to see um, an ocean decade where we have um, at least an equal representation of um, scientists um, or ocean scientists in various um, um, areas as far as um, oceanography is concerned when it comes to conferences, when it comes to high Um, level discussion about um, how we can uh, sustainably develop the ocean. We want to see an equal representation from um, all other um, regions. We want to see a lot of young people um, who hitherto did not have um, um, much interest. So let me divert a bit. So um, where I come from in Ghana, for example, um, some of us, when we decided to pursue ocean science, um, it was kind of like a disappointment to so many people because they thought that, um, you know, what kind of opportunity um, is there for a program like uh, oceanography? Where are you going to take that? And so um, where, where, where I come from, the, there's more emphasis on other sciences like medicine. People want their kids to pursue medicine. Once you are pursuing science, they want you to pursue medicine. The interest for ocean and other environmental sciences is not there. And so um, at the end of this, um, by 2030, we want to be able to increase um, the interest of young people um, in ocean sciences from especially the underdeveloped world where opportunities are limiting. And um, we hope to be able to also work with other programs um, Equity, for example, is not um, an ocean decade-endorsed um, program, but um, they have some key programs or key sub-programs um, there that we think will be very beneficial to ocean um, core. So, for example, in um, uh, we are looking at how we can speak with the private sector to um, create opportunities for our young ocean graduates. We are looking at um, how we can... Uh, make technology very cheap and accessible to uh, people from the developing world. So it is not just an Ocean Core thing, but also how we can build strong partnership with all these other programs and get the decade to where we want it to
0: be. That's awesome, Brian. Anything from your perspective? What What does the Ocean Core look like in 2030?
2: Yeah, Adam has said it so well. You know, I think. Uh... At the end of the decade, you know, of course, we hope that um, all of the science programs of the decade monitoring environmental change and that are are going full steam. And we hope that there will be more representative participation in all of those from people around the world so that, um, as we've already kind of said, you know, that more papers, more uh, people on governing boards and, and so forth are from regions that are traditionally not as well represented. I guess the only thing I would add to everything Adam said, which of course I agree with all of it, is that um, I would also like to see young people from uh, places like the US and Europe and and so forth that have been leading in the science to also be participating in getting the rest of the world in it. So that you know it becomes part of your resume that how many scientific papers have you published? And also uh, how many people are you working with in Africa and Asia?
0: It's a change in in yeah, how we assess success in terms of of young scientists is uh, it's
2: not just about
0: <laughs> how many rejections you have from nature because that's probably everyone, but
2: <laughs> Exactly. yeah, so just more, you know, and, and young people are super excited about it, kind of getting back to how Peace Corps started. You know, uh, we, this last year we've been going around giving seminars on the Ghana School and our larger visions like uh, Ocean Core and and Equacy, the program Adam mentioned. Um, and uh, and young people are super excited about it. You know, they're saying, "Well, uh, you know, let's get this going." You know, I want to do it. I want to go to this country and that country and 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 be involved. So I think. If the structure is there, it's not going to be any problem finding people who want to be involved, uh, not only from uh, from uh, places like Ghana, but also from the U.S. and, and Europe and, and other places. People want to do something like this.
0: Yeah, I think that's 100% true, and I think that uh, in making this happen... Uh, I'd like to go back and talk about our mutual friend, Alexis and the ocean foundation. And so how they've been involved and how, uh, the idea of kind of funding, uh, going forward. So what is, what is your vision for how you can get funding to make this a reality?
2: Um, well, so let me first say, I think you want us to also to say something about the connection to the ocean foundation. So, so, uh, yeah. All this, you know, thinking about the UN decade and capacity development from my point of view has uh, been a partnership with Alexis all the way and others, Adam and many others. And so the Ocean Foundation has this program called Equacy, which Adam mentioned, and Adam and I are both involved in that. Alexis is the leader. And I'll let Adam say more, but their basic idea is that part of doing ocean science is you need funding. You know, so Adam manages to do first-class science despite the fact that there is no National Science Foundation that funds projects in Ghana, at least at a high level. Again, she can say much more. And so the idea of equity is that, you know, scientists in places like Ghana should be able to turn to something somewhere to get funding to do science. Uh, I'll let Adam say more about Equisie. Um In terms of funding uh, Ocean Core. Uh, you know, <laughs> we're, we're just starting on that, you know, we've, we've been, managed to get funding for the Ghana summer school. So we have an example, a baby, like you said, and, uh, you know, we just want to scale it up. We hope that, you know, showing people that there's enthusiasm that in, in the U S for instance, young people want to do something like this. And in, uh, in, um, places around the world, they want to, uh, host summer schools and travel, to the U.S. to learn how to use certain instruments, and they want they want um, you know people from the U.S. to come there to see what it's like to do science in Africa. Um, I always mention Africa because that, that's where I do most of my work. But to, the same—it's an example, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it could apply to other continents. So you know, I think I think all people want all this stuff. You know, it's a real eye opener for Americans to go to a place like Ghana to see, wow. You know, Edom is able to publish papers despite the fact that she doesn't really have a lab there. You know, she has to kind of farm that lab work out by going overseas. So people are, you know, inspired by that. And so uh, going bringing Americans there to see what is it like to do science in Ghana, bringing Ghanaians to the U.S. to uh, learn things like, you know, how do I use the, the you know, this uh, top of the line instrument, you um, and having more exchanges, people collaborating, writing papers together. I think I've said enough. I'll let Adam say more.
1: Yeah. So, if we see when it comes to capacity development, we know that um, funds of yeah funds are always um, have always been a constraint. And so, um, uh, with regards to the Ghana Summer School, for example, funding has always been an issue. You know, so we. Have partnered with, um, at EPC, which, um, is, uh, proposing to you know bring some reform into the way we um, do ocean science because we have realized that um, when it comes to even ocean sciences the advanced nations are more resourced they have all the equipment that you need Um, we are all studying the same ocean but you come to um, the global south and you know there are institutions that you don't even find um, a research vessel not even a a boat or something to talk about, and so all these do not bring equity um, into the the, the, the the community. And so, what Ocean, um, what Equity um, seeking to do is to, you know, help in um, facilitating and resourcing, um, you know, scientists from developing um, uh, countries um, to kind of narrow that gap um, that exists between the developed and the developing world as far as um, funds are concerned, as far as um, logistics, um, other logistics like um, equipment are concerned. So um, part of the program is looking at how we can um, develop um, cheap, uh, not not cheap, but uh, affordable um, 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 ocean observing equipment that can, you know, be um, used by uh, this developing Countries, so yes, uh, funding has always been an issue, but uh, that is why we have partnered with FPC to see how best um, we can get the necessary support that we need to advance the goals of um, Ocean Core. But of course, we are not only looking at FPC; there are other uh, places that we plan to also channel our 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 uh, concerns to as far as the uh, funding issues are consent um, for Ocean
0: Core. Where can the audience go to learn more about the Ocean Core idea and potentially get involved or be an advocate for you guys?
2: Yeah, great question. So um, um, we have a website, globaloceancore.org, and uh, we're going to be working over the next few weeks intensively on improving it and expanding it. Um, We're giving seminars on the uh, gone to school in the Ocean Core around the academic community. So, uh, if you're at one of those places, please come to the seminar. And um, I'm going to talk to the other Ocean Core co-leads about this. But I think now would be a time to uh, basically write to ocean science institutions and ask, you know, if this Ocean Core was. Um, you know, better funded, would you like to participate and just get a list of people so that you could show that there is, I mean, I know we're going to get a lot of people. So just, you know, imagine if Ocean Corps existed, would you want to join and what would you want to do? And people might say things like, well, I was a Peace Corps volunteer. I mean, I know there's people like this. Um, I was a Peace Corps volunteer in this country. I'd like to go back there and start a summer school or someone else might have a different idea. You know, I want to host Exchange students from you know what. So anyway, just uh, that's what I would say is uh, listen to our seminar if we happen to be going to your place. uh, Look at our website in a few weeks; it's going to be better in a few weeks. And most importantly, you know, when that comes around, you know, would you like to be on the list of people interested in this concept? Please sign your name and tell us what you would like to do.
0: Yeah, and you have uh, an advocate in me and the rest of the listeners here. I think so. I'm really excited to see where where it goes from here and uh, consider me an an asset and a a talking head for you going forward
2: well thanks very much
0: that's so fantastic and i'll point everyone to the website uh again to you can go learn more about these other co-leads and the next time we have you on to talk about ocean core we'll we'll rotate out some of the co-leads to add some other people in uh so thank you so much both for being here today and giving us an introduction to this fascinating idea and i can't wait to have you back on in the future to talk about how it's grown and how wildly successful it is.